Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another uh, Housing Matters Podcast. My name is Oscar Way, Senior Economist of California Association of Realtors. And I'm joining him, Jordan Levine, also a Senior Economist here at CAR. Great. Um, I know many of you may be at the um, Sacramento meeting, uh, but we are still going to you know, do our podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, econ, some, econ stuff, some of the housing market stuff. Um, and we, uh, one of the topics that we want to talk about today is about um, benefits of housing. But we will go through our top five of five first before we get to that. Yep. Yeah. Now, benefits of home ownership is something near and dear to my heart. And uh Look forward to chatting about that, but there's been just a lot of just regular news happening out there that we thought it might be nice just to do a roundup of some of the the hot items that have happened over the last couple of weeks since we last chatted with you. Sure, I mean, we we I mean we talk about sales all the time and supply all the time. I think uh, from time to time we talk about prices too. There's no question that you know prices are definitely in the mind of many of the realtors as well as uh, consumers. So let's take a look at some of the uh, releases on home prices. Yeah, well, there's uh, probably no surprise to anybody out there, but home prices continue to go up, and it's true in California. I think we mentioned that in our last podcast, that our March numbers actually showed California home prices going up at an even faster rate than they have been. Um, but also, I think all of the all of the major indices out there that also track home prices, in addition to CAR, um, showed some pretty robust growth as well, right? Yeah, and then the national numbers that usually catch a lot of attention. The Case Shiller uh, figure just released a national home price uh, NSA index uh, was up six point three percent. Now, keep in mind, of course, Case Shiller is usually a month behind. Compared okay. to some of the other numbers, like our numbers, right, and it's national, so it's going to include what's happening in California on top of like what's happening in Ohio and stuff like that. Yeah, but and but you know even at the national figure, I mean, it's very, it seems like it's pretty high. So even nice robust growth in some of those other states. As very well. very very high number, six point three percent to be exact. Now that's one one set of number, but CoreLogic also released another set of number, okay. which is um, the March figure. Right, um, and it also it's actually even more robust. At 8.7% on a year-over-year basis for you know for our immediate concern, LA. Obviously, we live in LA, so right. LA shows an 8.7% increase. Uh, for some of the other areas like San Francisco, obviously you wouldn't be surprised if it shows a double-digit increase, right? Wow. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm just saddened. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I mean, prices really have shown no signs of of losing momentum. I think even in the face of some of these headwinds like lack of supply and tax reform um, and interest rates. Right. And higher interest rates. I mean, man, those have gone up like gangbusters. I was just putting my slide deck together because I'm going up to Sacramento for the business meetings. And and what I saw was, you know, pretty, pretty sobering that we're at 4.6 percent, give or take, in the most recent data. And uh, that's a, an astonishing number. That's like 110 basis points from where we were just before the presidential election. So, I know. Um, you know, we didn't have as many rate hikes in 2017 as what we originally thought we were going to have, and yet rates are, are still really high. And yet, in the face of all of that stuff, double-digit growth from the CoreLogic number in San Francisco, almost double digits here in L.A., it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty scary given it, that that incomes aren't going up by double digits. It is very scary and I know down the road maybe even in this podcast we'll probably talk about, you know, revisions of housing uh, uh, of the housing forecast before you read me out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that, you know, uh, we'll probably will have a mid-year forecast in a month or two, uh, probably within the next few weeks or so. Chances are very likely that we will make some addi- uh, revisions to our forecast on prices and sales. So, um, keep in, uh, uh, tune in and make sure that you find out from us uh, maybe in a few weeks or so. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll have a webinar and stuff where we kind of go through the guts of the forecast and how our thinking has evolved on that front. But yeah, I mean, you really do see, and I still think there's an element of borrowing sales forward um, in time, given that how sharp the rise in rates has been. I think folks are seeing that higher rates are a real serious probability down the road and therefore kind of, you know, we're borrowing those sales forward that might have happened later in the year or even into 2019 because I think 5% rates or even 5.5% rates don't seem as outlandish um, as they once did. And so, you know, but be that as it may, I still think that 2018 might ring in a little little t- uh, more strong than what we what we originally forecast. And you even see that in the pending home sales number, right? Which is our second True. item that the, that the sales continue to go up even if it's at a, a fairly moderate rate, at least nationally. Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't released our state number. We actually stopped releasing our state number uh, for the last few months. Um, but if you look at the national numbers, it's showing, okay, on a month-to-month basis, it seems to be a, a little bit higher. But on a year-over-year basis, I think uh, compared to last year, it shows a, um, a slight decline. For the Western region. For the we Western are. region. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yes, we know that you know pending home sales, uh, sales in general, uh, seems to be holding on at least for, holding holding on uh, at the state level at least, are we showing for this California level at 1.1, 1.2% increase. Um, nothing to write home about, but nothing to panic over either, right? Right, and, 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 it's, and it's, you know, it's true that we can expect a little bit of a, a slowdown uh, because of interest rates, because of home prices and things like that, but the economy seems to be still doing well. Right. So I mean, we'll we will ride on it as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I take the pending home sales releases with somewhat of a of a grain of salt. There's you know so many different MLSs and things like that. It makes it hard to be as predictive as I think what it used to be. But it does kind of still paint that picture of a market that's fairly tight. Prices are rising, but still um, hanging on in terms of. Trend. Transactions, and I think on the on the new home, home sales front, that's in some ways the only game in town, right? And that's our third uh, of our top five things that we wanted to chat about. True. I mean, the the reason why we don't have you know a much stronger existing home sales is we talked about it before. Part of it is because of supply, so we rely on whole new home sales, and new home sales maybe because we have a little bit more con- new constructions. I wouldn't bet. You know, a significant gain on new constructions, but based on the new home sales number, at least at the national level, uh, it shows a pretty sizable, pretty solid increase of close to 9% uh, compared to last year. That's right. Yeah, um, and that's a big, big number, especially when, you know, the market for new homes and just construction in general has been, you know, very slow out of the gate. I think that's that's welcome sign, and it shows the demand is there, right? But It's not just the demand. Inventory, when you look at inventory for new home sales, it's actually reached 5.2 months of supply, which is an increase of 4%. Now, compared to what we have in California of, what, three months of supply? Right. Hey, well, hey if we can get to four or five, that's that I think we can have more sales, but in 
unfortunately, uh, I think the new home sales need to new home constructions need to come in first before we actually see a lot more existing home sales. Yeah, I mean, we just really need the the construction. I think when you look at these new home sales figures, it shows that the demand is there, and when we can get the units online, you know, eventually yeah, it does right. take a process. And builders, I think, were very skeptical to jump in and. 10, 11, 12 when prices were, were flat. Now we're seeing robust price growth and hopefully this gives some encouragement to the builders, right? That uh, whatever they're putting online tends to get gobbled up at a, at a fairly rapid rate and that might spur some additional development. Of course, that's not really going to solve any of our um, regulatory or other hurdles to, to getting more housing built here in California. But I think at least having that, that money-making incentive out there for the builders will, will at least give them a, a reason to try. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, if you, you know, we have, we're showing that we have probably a little bit more supply. Uh, we talked earlier about demand. On the demand side, you know, the home sales continue to increase because our economy continues to improve. Um, we have our first quarter GDP number came out. That's right. Um, and of course, it's not as strong as what we saw, you know, previous quarter or two quarters ago. Uh, uh, the government or you know current president was shooting was shooting for what three percent or so four really four. realistically but <laughs> right. uh, but, but be that as it may I think it's you know still a, a fairly solid number the economy continues to move forward it could be potentially some legacy seasonality I know this is like a nerdy topic that we right. tried to steer clear from on the podcast in the past but. Um, you know, the first quarter has been weak every every year for the last three years, and there's something going on with the, the seasonal adjustment factors and picking up winter and adjusting that down properly. So I'm not panicking on this one. Um, I think you even noted in your conversation to me earlier that consumer spending was um, already looking up a little bit from where it was in the first quarter. Very true. I know, you know, for the first couple months, it may not be as strong for whatever reason. You know, it could be weather because it may also be, you know, a lingering effect from last year's yeah. disasters. But March came out to be pretty decent. I think uh, we can look forward to maybe the second quarter doing a little bit better job. But consum consumption, of course, is a big part of the GDP, but also uh, investment, equipment spending uh, by investors, uh, by uh, companies, corporations. That's a big part of it, right. too. I know it, um, as far as investment spending is concerned, it's still pretty solid. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's one area where tax reform is going to be a big help with allowing folks to really, you know, accelerate the depreciation on those investments that they make, makes it uh, much more tax advantageous to, to make those investments relative to where we were, I think, before tax reform. So that's a good sign. I think just looking at the labor markets in general, unemployment is uh -huh. still fairly low. So the economy, I think, is still, um, you know, one of the bright spots when you when you think about, you know, what housing has going for it at this particular point in time. Yeah, so I mean, we're not concerned about currently the first quarter says 2.3%. Uh, I believe, of course, this is just the first advance estimate. Uh, we will see a, uh, a higher, probably an adjusted, I wouldn't say higher, necessarily say higher, but an adjusted estimate in the next couple of weeks or so. Yep. Um, and then, of course, second quarter, we believe it's probably going to be a little bit stronger than this. Yeah, I mean, A, I think the first quarter is going to get revised up a bit because of, you know, the March consumption number was a little bit better. Um, and also because of the industrial side, I think that you'll see um, those industrial production and inventory numbers get uh -huh. a little bit better because the, the most 
most recent weekly readings on those were positive as well. So the economy, again, is is not the major, major concern out there. That's still a, a wind at the sale of housing from from my perspective. Yeah, and, and um, you know, we... we have always been concerned about supply because it affects home ownership. So the last top five of five bullet point is about uh, home ownership. That's right. That's um, one's uh, what what we're all here for, right? That's what it's all about. Absolutely. I mean, the home ownership rate. I know at one point we actually dropped down to a, a very low point. Yeah. Uh, but in the last couple quarters, last few quarters, we seem to have a little bit more, a little bit of an improvement. That's right. Yeah. Home ownership and. Uh, nationwide, at least, I think, is up to um, 64.2%, right? So that's a little bit shy of two-thirds, basically, homeowners mm-hmm. nationally. That's, uh, I guess, flat from where it was, where we ended last year. But if you look at where we were um, a, a year ago, or I guess where we ended last year, right? It's flat from the end of last year, but but up from the beginning of 2017. And so it does look at least nationwide like this uptick in home sales um, has kind of translated through to an increase in home ownership. And, and I mean, of course, we kind of gave you the idea that it's still at a low level because, you know, when you take a look at the peak. Yeah. The peak was in 2004, and it was close to 70%. Yeah. Um, and even the long-run average, 25-year average, was uh, is at a 66.3%. So, you know, we're still below. And, you know, with interest rate rising, um, it doesn't look like it's going to improve a whole lot if it's going to improve. That's right. Um, yeah, and I mean, if you if you think about it, historically, we're a country where two-thirds um, of households own their own home, and, mm-hmm. and that's been something that we've, um, you know, supported and wanted as a, as a country, and I think that, you know, the, the headwinds are strong for it, and even though we've seen this bit of an uptick, as you mentioned, we're below what we would call a quote-unquote normal level, mm-hmm. even though the nation has seen an increase in home sales over the course of the last couple of years, and I think... What's important to keep in mind there as we think about the trajectory of home ownership going forward is, you know, what's going to happen in California? We're almost 13% of the national population base. And when you look at the home ownership numbers at the state level, um, you know, the the uptick in home ownership really stalled out. So I think we went up from 55.2% at the end of last year to 55.4% in the first quarter. That's what the number looks like wow. uh, from the census. So it's up 0.2%. That's completely within the, the statistical margin of error. Um, and so for me, I read that for all intents and purposes as flat. <laughs> and and if you look at where we were before we got to that 552 we were down at 53% home ownership. Right. And I really do think that we've seen this, again, pulling forward of sales where both we had an unseasonably strong um, winter, both at the end of 2017 and October, November, December in particular, and, and it kept going into January, February, um, not as much in March, but definitely into January and February, we had a lot of strong sales activity that folks, I think, were really trying to get ahead of either tax reform being implemented or rising rates and things like that. And so what you saw was that we got more folks into home ownership earlier in the year than we normally do. And I think that's, you know, inflated the, the picture of home ownership or made it look more optimistic 
than it really is because all those folks didn't wait till summer and their kids were out of school to buy a home. They went out and bought them now while they could get in at a cheaper rate and what have you. Um, and so, you know, when you look at, again, the supply and where prices are going, um, I'm not optimistic about, unfortunately, this major um, tide change like we've seen in the, in the nation where we're starting to at least progress back, even if we haven't already got there, we're at least trending towards that long-term average. But in California, I think we saw that plateau in the first quarter. And, and when you look out at things going forward, it seems really difficult that we're going to be able to get anywhere close to two-thirds home ownership in, in California. In fact, I'm thinking we're in more in jeopardy of becoming majority renter than we are getting to two-thirds home ownership, right? Yeah, that 2% gap between, a 10% gap between California and nation why I think you know it's we're we're probably not going to get there anytime soon, and you know just to uh, kind of um, revisit you know the point that you mentioned earlier uh, as far as price is concerned because we do expect home prices actually to hit a new peak right that's uh, right probably in June or July so it's very unlikely that home uh, ownership probably will uh, continue to trend up and another point that you made was very very valid is. Um, usually at the beginning of the year or the end of the year, we see an increase in first-time buyers because they're not compete. They don't want to compete with some of those uh, who are buying uh, for family, a uh, bigger size of home. So you, we see a bigger uh, increase in uh, first-time buyers usually at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. Where the market's that, not as busy, right? And that's probably prompted home ownership up a little bit, right? Yeah, um, and of course. You know, home ownership is something that we want to talk about today, and that's why we moved that to the last bullet point. Is you know, home ownership is actually very, very important. Yes, I mean that's American dream, and we talked about home owner how home ownership help us uh, accumulate wealth. Yep. Um, how it actually may even um, uh, help out with. Um, uh, wealth inequality and all those other stuff. But there are other uh, benefits that is not necessarily just financial uh, related. Right. Um, some of the things like um, home ownership help, you know, uh, give, improve our health, for okay. example. Uh, home ownership health, uh, help improve the uh, educational attainment. And also, you know, help to improve the, uh, the neighborhood and make it a little bit more safe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's, you know, the social benefits are are absolutely, you know, critical and paramount and some in some ways the kind of unsung heroes of home ownership, you know. I think that uh, there's, you know, a, when you have a dog in the fight and things like that, you have more of a vested interest in what happens in your um, community. You're more engaged with all of the, you know, political and planning processes and things like that that happen. Um, you know, the educational attainment side isn't just for you personally, right? Like, yes, if you own your own home and you have more wealth, you're able to pursue other, you know, avenues and, and more, um, opportunities, but, but it's also, you know, multi-generational. And I think you talked about how it's a tool for, you know, improving poverty or reducing poverty and, and uh -huh. reducing inequality. And it's also something that, that helps to um, keep poverty and inequality persistent in the areas that don't manage to get folks into home ownership. They're not able to start climbing those ladders of opportunity. And I think that, you know, those neighborhoods that have historically not had much home ownership are still the ones um, that you fast forward, you know, 50 years to today that are still the ones that are having, you know, a lot of the 
the difficulties. And I think that, you know, just on a personal note, I mean, my dad was somebody who didn't graduate high school at all, right? He was not somebody who was, um, you would have looked at in the 50s and 60s and 70s and said, this is a guy who's, you know, poised for success and his kids are going to be some real winners. Um, you know, he didn't graduate high school, he slept through school and all that, but he was able to, um, you know, through grit and hard work and whatever and his charisma and, and whatnot, he got into home ownership and was able to use that as a springboard, you know, not necessarily to go out and get his MBA or do anything crazy like that, but that was why I, you know, I was able to focus on getting good grades in school and not going out and plowing the fields or or whatever the case may be, or more likely, you know, working at the mechanic shop with them or whatever, um, and and really focus on my studies and be able to go to university and, and why I'm sitting here talking to you um, on this podcast today. So and and probably why you know my kids will put me to shame by building something great or doing some you know crazy thing or becoming awesome. You know, at whatever it is they they choose to do, a lot of that will be able to be traced back to that kind of tide shift for that my dad took in terms of getting into home ownership. You know, and he took that as far as he could, but it's really my kids and and their kids who are really going to be the ones who are going to benefit ultimately from that home ownership the most. And I think that you know that's the type of thing that we want to extrapolate out to society at large, right? Is so that more people get those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, you nail it on the head. I mean, it it. it there are proven studies that shows that um, dropout rates are lower for people for a higher home ownership neighborhood. There are people who um, perform a little bit better in terms of math and in terms of uh, reading capability. And uh, as you said, you know, post-secondary uh, degree, yep. uh, home ownership kind of nurture that help uh, to uh, to improve the um, the the um, uh, educational attainment on that. And the reason for that is because you know there are you know quite a few reasons. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a few, uh, but anecdotes, one, but yeah, and and one of the you know one some of the uh, the, the evidence that back it up is, or it's maybe a theory to back it up is, of course, when you're a homeowner, you're investing a little bit more uh, on in your neighborhood because your your wealth is tied into your property, right? Right, and so of course you care a little bit more about you know how the neighborhood is. You know, you want you monitor your kids a little bit more because you don't want them to behave um, in a way that actually would. Right. Uh, uh, make the uh, put a negative impact on your property as well as your 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 neighborhood. So the, it's all tied in. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you know the important point there is that even in the academic studies where they do very complex, uh, rigorous mathematics, you know, a lot of it, it, you know, people will say, well, that's because these, you know, people who own homes are in, you know, better neighborhoods or higher income and things like that. But even, you know, in these academic papers where they got and do real rigorous empirical work, they see that even after controlling for, um, you know, your parents' characteristics, like did your parents have a degree, right? Like that's uh -huh, a uh -huh. huge determinant of whether you get a degree. But even after controlling for, you know, the fact that your parents had a degree or the fact that your parents might have been six-figure income earners right. or whatever, even after taking all of that stuff away, it's still better for folks who were in home ownership, even for folks of the exact same level of education, same parents of the exact same income levels. One was a homeowner, one wasn't. Those kids had had the better chance. And so it's not all just that, you know, the folks who were in home ownerships had a better starting point. That's part of it, definitely. But even after you kind of level set the playing field, you still see additional positive impacts beyond the fact that your parents had great educations or whatever. Um, 
into into home ownership. And I think you see the exact same things on the health side, right? Is that there's a lot of um, benefits for not just you and you're you're in a more healthy environment, but again, your kids and and that leads to ripple effects for their opportunities and success. Yeah, I mean, both health and educational attainment has something to do with you mentioned it about the um, residential uh, mobility. Right. You know, when you're more stable, if you have home, if you're a homeowner, obviously you don't move as as much. So your kids, for your for your kids, if your kids don't have to move every single quarter or every single year, obviously they have more tied in with their friends. They can build it. They can build a better relationship with their friends, and they do better at school. Right. Same thing for health. You know, the residential um, mobility. If you have to move a lot, um, that means. You know, you may not necessarily be able to, um, you know, uh, you may be a little bit more stressed out as far as, you know, your um, mental um, uh, emotion is concerned. Um, but if you're a homeowner, you're a little bit more stable. It's actually reduced your stress a little bit. Definitely. Uh, there are other factors that affect health as well. Yeah, I mean, even just like the mechanics of it, right? Like changing doctors all the time, I think. That's very is true, a yeah. huge one. You move around all the time. You're um, not in the same place. You're changing jobs potentially more often. And 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 so you're not able to go out and just get regular checkups, right? Your your health kind of takes a, a backseat to your more regular day-to-day kind of economic um, instability or your living instability situation and things like that. And I think that, um, you know, from, from an economic standpoint as well the economy benefits when we have people who are dug in able to be productive focus on um you know doing work and and things like that so i think that um you know it's all kind of tied in to to housing i think that that whether we're talking about health education inequality um, wealth accumulation what have you um it all can be traced back to, to housing and of course you know that which largely can be traced back to housing supply and, and the ability of just regular people I think like my dad to to have that within their reach to go from you know working at a regular job and getting their foot on a property ladder and using that to start this kind of chain of snowball effects that that will hopefully take people into uh, the future with all those benefits. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you touch upon you know the uh, you know regular people you know being able to buy a home you know that of course uh, is uh, about affordable housing also. Right. And when we talk about affordable housing, you know if it is easier to attain home ownership, you know if it's affordable, that actually uh, you know help health in a in a way that you know if you have more money allocated to not not the uh, the biggest percent on your housing, but you can allocate some of the money on, let's say, nutritious food right. or medical expenditures, obviously that's going to help your health. Going back to school, what have you. Yeah, right. exactly. And so, yeah, I think, again, it's it's all tied in, and, uh, and that's why we care about the home ownership rate, right? That's why we always report on that every quarter when it comes out. It's why we devoted a whole um, podcast to the benefits of home ownership like we've done here today because the higher the home ownership rate goes, it means that more and more Californians have the opportunity to uh, you know, take advantage of all of these benefits that we've hopefully just laid out in a, in a very cursory way, um, granted, but hopefully um, a meaningful way for you guys too. So I think we're um, probably over the time limit a bit, but uh, but those benefits to home ownership are, are critically important. So we wanted to make sure we covered them. Oscar, did we leave anything out? Yeah, well, we yeah we covered pretty much. You know, of course, within the next uh, with the, within the last ten minutes or so, maybe we covered a little bit. I just want to tell you that you know there is a PowerPoint and there is a presentation that our CEO 
Um, That's right. Joe Singer yeah. is actually doing a, uh, a mid-year luncheon. Um, by the time we have this uh, present uh, our podcast up, she might have already. Uh, well, actually, yeah, it will be. It will be presented on Thursday. So. Um, he probably will be well, by the time you listen to it uh, he may be presenting it but I believe that PowerPoint presentation will also be shared on our website so you know look out for it yep go over to car.org car. click on the presentations archive and, and you'll be able to download Joel's presentation which goes into a lot of the issues that we discussed here um, in much more detail and kind of also Absolutely. recast it in the context of California's economy and housing market in general so uh, with that we will leave you for a couple of weeks and uh, and we'll be excited to be back with you again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you.